this is Down by the Bank, episode 14. This is Corey. Hey guys, it's Derek. We're recording post-Jaguars Colts, our 30-27 to victory in London. We are going to the Super Bowl. Calm down now. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. There's a, a Twitter account that I started following recently that's really funny. It's called Did the Jaguars Win? And it was good to see the only thing they tweet is yes or no. And that's the only thing that account tweets. And I saw it say yes, and I favorited and retweeted that tweet. So it was pretty a uh, pretty big moment. Man, the things that people have the time on their hands to do <laughs> makes me laugh. And that is definitely going to be one of them. There's one too to check out called uh, Gus Bradley eBooks. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's like they, this guy. It's like the weirdest account, honestly. Like I secretly think there's some like psychopath running the account because it's just creepy almost. And they take, I think, like they just cut phrases out from his press conferences. You know how we make fun of some of his press conferences, how it's kind of the same stuff. And they just, it's like a feed of just constantly things that he would have in like a, an eBook or something. It, it's really funny, but people search it. It's it's weird. Um, but anyway, back on topic, uh, Jaguars are now one and three on the season heading into a bye week. Uh, it's our fourth game in London since 2013, um, which our records now two and two, um, any observations on TV from London and that whole atmosphere that you have. So I was reading online somewhere, looking at the, uh, uh, uh reading a sport, uh, a website about how the Jags are ranked 31 internationally. In the last mm-hmm. few years, now they're like ranked ninth since we've been going oh. to London. So, wow, really? Yeah, um, I forget where I saw that or read that at, but if that's the case, that's great. You know, you know, Shad Khan, he's uh, Shad Khan, he's a businessman, so he's you know obviously wants to win, but he's also focused on the brand and the bottom line, which is money. Okay, so that's yeah. that's uh, it's great to hear that we have a following internationally. Uh, and that proves it, but, you know, we got 80,000 people at a football game to see the Jags and the Colts. You know, it's not even like yeah. Tom Brady or Cam Newton. You know, it's the Jags and the Colts. So, right. Uh, but, yeah, it was Shot, great, great turnout. Shad Khan, by the way, that guy looks like the man on TV, doesn't he? Up in that booth with that ponytail thing going on. That guy looks like the man. <laughs> when you got, like, billions of dollars, you know, he, he a billionaire maybe. You can wear your hair however you want to, okay? You don't need no specific haircut or no style to make sure you don't look bad. You can do what you want to do, and and that's what he's doing. And hopefully he, you know, really looks at the coaching situation just because we got one win by three when we should have won by 30, okay? Mm -hmm. Hopefully they look at that and really assess it. At the end of the day, it's about winning, but... We almost gave that up. We almost gave that up. Had, had they converted that play, the fourth down or whatever, and gotten Finitary's field goal range, he wouldn't have missed. Yeah. And it shouldn't have even come down to that. So we'll we'll get into all that, but that's that's my take on it. Yeah, well, right now we're talking about Shad Khan's swag, so let's just stay on topic. Right? No, no, <laughs> no. We won't talk, you want to talk about swag and fashion and all that? Go to go to Fashion Week. I heard is going on right now, so. Yeah, that might actually be the first time I've ever used the word swag like verbally <laughs> out loud, and it felt awkward, so I won't do that anymore. Um, there was one thing, too, by the way, which is uh, totally anti-swag, which I always laugh about, is that in the crowd in the London games, you ever notice how... Well, first of all, there's a much more greater percentage of people actually wearing Jaguars gear. But you ever see those people with like mix and match stuff where they got like a Buccaneers jersey and like a 49ers hat on? Hey, <laughs> it's so weird. They're trying. Okay. They're trying. You know, if a 
lot of us in the States here went to one of their uh, football matches in the Premier League, we'd probably be mix and match between like Barcelona or not Barcelona, that's uh, Spain, but like Chelsea and Man U or something like that. Uh, Would you though? I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't do that. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't do that actually. You never know. It's like like somebody going to a a Falcons-Panthers game. With a 49ers jersey on, I saw that the other the, yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, when we went to the Ravens game, we were behind a couple people with like Steelers jerseys and stuff on, and that's just stupid to me for some reason. You can take their yellow terrible towels and take them somewhere else. I don't like Pittsburgh Steelers, but yeah. yeah. But the one thing that was cool that I really wish we'd emulate here, just from like a fan perspective, is that the gold flags that they were waving. Like I would, that would be so neat if we had those out for every game because that visually on TV just looked really cool. I mean, it helped obviously that there were like a bazillion people there. Um, I think the attendance was like over eighty thousand, eighty six thousand. Yeah, so I mean, it's insane. But obviously, that looks a lot better with that many people. But even still, it would be cool to uh, to have something like that. Well, to kind of get into the game. Um, you know, there were several key differences versus the first three weeks of the season. And one thing I'd kind of like you to talk a little bit about, because this has been one of your big points um, all season so far, is the rushing game and how it significantly seemed to improve this game versus the other three weeks. So who was it that said that they kind of disagreed with me in the beginning of the season and said that they should pass the setup to run? Can you remind me who that was again? Oh, are you talking about the outsiders yeah, on the football outsiders <laughs> they didn't like to directly <laughs> address but, you but that's in their book that's, yeah that's, that's in their book and you know the i thought somebody left a reddit comment about that too uh, uh oh uh, yeah i think so we'd have to go back and look at it but probably okay, nothing against you my friend whoever made that comment but wrong okay sorry <laughs> oh no you know that's donald trump's it's thing fine. right <laughs> you're fine you're you're not right okay so Wrong, whatever, however you want to put it, and I'm not a Trump All supporter right. anyway, so we won't even get into politics. But <laughs> whoa, <yeah. laughs> uh, but 136 total rushing yards. The key here was they got it done any by any means necessary. Meaning you got Yeldon in the mix, you got Ivy in the mix. Hey, let's throw Bortles in the mix. He's struggling with some of the passing uh, concepts they're doing right now. His mechanics are kind of breaking down. When in doubt, run. Hey, it doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't have to look pretty. We don't have to have a 100-yard rusher. We just have to run the ball effectively. And more than five yards of carry out of two of the three. Uh, Ivory, not so much. He's still probably getting going. Plus, a lot of the situations he's in are tough yards that we need. So, with Yeldon getting over five yards of carry, we'll take that. We'll take that. And you see the end result. And not only just just the fact we, we won by three. And there were a lot of things that contributed to them coming back. But we were up, what was it, 23 to 6 or something like that? Or 20? So we were up by yeah. 18 points, 17 points. And it was because we were able to run the ball because Bordeaux's passing game was not all that effective. But as you notice, as the game wore on, especially like the Alan Hearns touchdown. The, the running game wore the defense out. Then you can take those deep shots. The Colts snuck their, their – their, they didn't sneak, but their, their secondary, their safeties, and their linebackers start getting sucked in. Uh, well, really quick, that was one thing I tried to keep an eye on from when you had mentioned it before. 
uh, Bortles seemed a little bit more mobile in this game. Like, I don't know if that was by design, but he was seemed like he was moving outside the pocket a lot more. And so would you say that was also to keep the defense honest? Like, were they were they moving up because of his yeah, mobility? Yeah, they were. They definitely were because there were, they were definitely some, some holes on the backside uh, that he was able to come out of the rollouts. They, you know, they do the naked bootlegs, the sprints, um, and – and there would be no one there. So, you know, hey, if I can either force it or I can go get eight yards. Second and four yeah. and second and two is a lot better than second and eight and second and ten. So there I'd like to see a lot more of that this season too. I mean, it just seemed like it opened up a lot more and I don't know. It seems like he's he's made to to move around like that anyway as a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And 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 when you run the ball like that and even have your quarterback getting involved, it changes things. The Colts weren't ready for that. We hadn't done it all season. That's how you game plan and scheme. Now, I don't know if Greg Olson decided to do that because he's scared for his job, which he should be, but, hey, that was a great wrinkle to throw in there. Another thing they did, they had Aurelius Ben. On a lot of runs, he was doing a lot of kickback blocks. He's a big receiver, Mm -hmm. big physical wide receiver. So we had some issues with tight ends and injuries, so they definitely started playing him more. And there was one run, I think, in the second quarter where TJ Yeldon ran it up the middle, and he could have driven a Cadillac through that that hole. (laughs) When when Ben came and kicked out on the backside and Jokel had sealed, on the other, on the uh, on the strong side, it was like you could see the hash mark and you could see the end zone, and there wasn't a single white uniform from the line of scrimmage to the end zone. Somebody cut him and got to right. him, and cut him off and got to him. But when you have a hole like that, that's that's how you block. And when you do things like that, you see how easier the game was for Bortles and the rest of the team. Um, although the, the time of possession was thrown off some in the first half, I think at one point it was like 15 minutes to five Colts, 15 Jags, mm-hmm. five. But then you saw we closed that gap significantly because of the running game. Right. And I think, I, I don't know if you mentioned the stat that we had written down or not, but we averaged 55 yards per game through the first three games. And then we had 136 total rushing yards in the, in this fourth game. So obviously uh, statistically, different outcome significantly more rushing yards i think there's obviously something to your theory there um from the passing game perspective robinson and hearns both got in the end zone including hearns first touchdown reception of the season um side note fantasy football i had bortles and robinson both going at the same time mm-hmm. yeah that's all i gotta say about that, that if you look at well. one of the plays there's a couple of passing plays where blake ran and bortles ran play action and you see a linebacker, I mean, he got sucked in like he was in a whirlpool. That's that's exactly mm-hmm. what needs to happen. Now, the Colts' defense isn't very good. Let's be real. The Colts, they're not good up front on offensive line, and they're not good in their front seven on defense at all. So the point was we should have been doing that to them very easily, and we were for a while um, throughout most of the game. But, hey, that's how you get Ws. I know it wasn't pretty. We didn't have 400 yards and four touchdowns, and that's what everybody wants to see. And A-Rob catching all kind of back shoulders and jump balls. and But the goal is to win the game, and we won it. 
Speaking of that, Robinson seemed like he was getting a little bit more of those penalties that he wasn't getting the prior weeks. Did yeah, you so that? what teams will do, especially if you got a good you know quarterback receiver chemistry going on those back shoulder throws, is they'll hold so you can't turn around right away and go get the ball. And he was the the the, the victim of some of those um, some uh, early on. I know of two in the Green Bay game where they tried to do it and the corner just like. <laughs> He didn't even play the ball. He didn't grab him, but he didn't play the ball. He just kind of stood in the way. And even if you don't grab him, if you don't play the ball or turn around and find the ball, that's supposed to be pass interference. You can't cut him off without finding the ball. So that's still pass interference yeah. according to the NFL rule book. But, you know, some some refs, some zebras, they call it when they want to. So Yeah. Well, and one before we get into the defensive uh, key difference versus the first three weeks, is it pronounced? Because I heard the announcers say Yannick, and then I I had thought it was Yannick, and then I listened to the radio today for the first time in a while, and they're saying Yannick. Is it Yannick and Jacque? And I've just been saying this wrong the Could entire have. time. I don't know. He may have corrected somebody, but you know, just I might just have to say Big. What's his number? Ninety one. Might just say Big ninety one or something like that. Because until we get it right, yeah, that guy. But seriously, though, you want to talk about the steal of the draft, probably. I mean, well, you'd have to yeah, say, so right? Just to, I know we're, we're talking about offense a little bit, um, but if we want to kind of switch it up here to defense, if you, when you're looking at the defensive line and, you know, we had six sacks, 13 QB hits, everybody knows we got six sacks, but 13 QB hits. Let's repeat that, 13 QB hits. How many times have the Jags had double digits in hitting any kind of quarterback in any game in the last three years? <laughs> I'll wait. Okay. Yeah. Let's check yeah. and make sure that's accurate. If, actually. If, if there is somebody, comment to us and tell us because I'd like to know what game that was because I don't ever recall that. Yeah. But, you know, hey, that's a great job. Um, but a lot of those sacks, believe it or not, and a lot of those pressures we had, although you got Ngakwe and, and Fowler and, you know, Abe Jones and and uh, uh, all them in the mix. Uh, Malik Jackson was handling business. He was collapsing the pocket, making Luck get out of there where Luck wanted to stay. Now, he might not have the stats. I think Boselli talked about that. Uh, you don't have the stats and you don't have the, the, you know, the, the glitz and glam. But defensive tackles aren't made for that. Their job is to stop the run and to collapse the pocket. And that's what he did. And it makes it makes everybody's lives so much easier. When you have the whole team working as one, as a unit, th- those kind of things happen. And that, that you know, great job by him to, to do that and looking forward to more of that. Yeah. A couple uh, stats real quick on the defensive line, because a lot of people looked at Dante Fowler's numbers and saw just the two tackles and assumed, you know, uh, he didn't have as good of a game. But apparently, actually from a non-statistical perspective, a lot of reports I read was that he was in Andrew Luck's face a good majority of the game. And so even though he only registered two tackles, um, he had a pretty good game regardless. And then one thing that was kind of interesting, I was reading on the blackandteal.com blog, there was a tweet that they had quoted in there that Fowler and Yakwe had combined for five sacks this season. Their predecessors, Clemens and Branch, combined for seven and 16 last year. So that's a pretty good improvement. You know, <laughs> the interception that Yakwe had was because of Fowler. Remember, Fowler is the one that hit the huh. ball, I, I want to say. Yeah. 
So defensive, okay. and and that's a, when when you look at the defensive line, they have one job: destruction. Whatever the offensive line right. is trying to do, don't let them do it. You don't have to get sacks and tackle for losses and all these, you know. Forget all that. You know, you can read that stuff in the box score. See that, oh, we have five sacks today. How much destruction did you cause on that offensive line? And they caused plenty of it. They took that 6'2", 290-pound right guard that the Colts have. I forget his name, but apparently he's a small guy. And they let him have it for most of the game. Um, Now, the Colts did counter with some running. You know, Gore did have some lanes that he was running the ball. uh, But Frank Gore is a seasoned vet. You know, Andrew Luck's no slouch quarterback. He's one of the best ones in the league. So, you know, you're going to give up those things. But to have Luck at, like, 30 or 40-something passing yards at halftime, that's because our line on their passing plays, our line was being very destructive. Is that really what he had at halftime? Yeah, I didn't even he, notice that. He didn't have much, but he didn't have much at all. It was it was something kind of crazy. Well, Njokwe was nominated for AFC Defensive Player of the Week, not rookie, just def- straight-up Defensive Player of the Week, as well as the Rookie of the Week, so that's pretty cool. And then Tad Dickman, who's one of the PR guys for the Jaguars, had tweeted that Njokwe is the only player in the NFL this season with a sack, forced fumble, and interception in a single game, and he leads all rookies in sacks and forced fumbles. So, you know, back to kind of our theme from a, an episode or two ago. I think Caldwell's done a good job of finding talent. It's just a matter of putting it into putting them in the position yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, absolutely. The Caldwell, like I said a couple episodes ago, on paper we look very good on paper, but you got to find the coaching staff and get the right stuff in line and in place, and you got to put players in the right place to make plays. For instance, Prince came back today, or yesterday. Prince was back. Did you see Jalen go back to the slot? No. Yeah. They realized that, hey, he's not only one of the better corners, he might be the best corner on our team. So right, he's playing outside right, right. now. See, that's that's what I'm talking about. You got to forget this rookie crap, okay? Because we had we didn't have rookies last year and we still stunk. So they're ready to, they're ready to play. <laughs> They got Miles Jack on the field. Now, granted, he got on the field because of injuries. It wasn't like this decisive coaching move to put him in the game. And, yeah, there were a couple plays where he got whiffed on and got, you know, on some counters and stuff that they ran. And that's how Gore got a lot of his yards was they used, you know, they used Miles Jack's, you know, inexperience against him. But, man, when it came to just straight closing in on those swing passes and in those flats and outs, he closed like no tomorrow. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You, I mean, he – you got to put him out there at some point because he's got to go through those growing pains regardless. So why not do it now? I mean, honestly, like Dan Scuda versus Miles Jack in the long run, wouldn't you rather Miles Jack be getting the experience yeah, right now? Yeah, you know, and they say, might say that, you know, Scuda wouldn't be fooled on a lot of backside runs. But see, that's also you got to remember this too. It was kind of like a, a late scratch, so the Colts didn't really have time to prepare for that. But you notice they did run some things towards Jack. That wasn't just by coincidence; that was by design. So what they have to remember is going into the, after the bye week, if they decide to keep Jack at that position, teams are going to scheme for that. You know, just like yeah. they scheme for Cyprian. You know, that's why we see Cyprian trailing and getting beat all the time because they look for him. <laughs> right. So is this the trick, okay? Now, maybe this is crazy, but knowing that 
that's probably going to happen and they're going to scheme against playing somebody like Jack, wouldn't we sort of like anticipate that and maybe change it up a little bit and kind of anticipate that happening and scheme differently? <laughs> wouldn't would that be the idea? So, Corey, you would hope so. <clears throat> I I don't right. I hope they do, <laughs> but you you never know. Like you just you never know what they're what they're going to do. Um and granted, when I say scheme differently, I don't even really know what I'm even saying right there. But you know what I mean. Like, try to do something that's kind of outside of what you saw this week versus the Colts. So that way they can't totally anticipate the exact same the exact same plays and setup yeah. that we had this week. Yeah. they If they're going to play Jack at that, you know, that linebacker position, you can call it auto or that's what the terminology is. Uh, but they have to make sure that he understands, uh, you know, when to stay home and really drive home the, the X's and O's, the mental part of it, because teams are going to be looking for that. Now, I bet you I know one thing. You're not going to see too many teams run their tight ends on any square outs or any flats because he was just hitting them. Wait till he times it just right and he picks one off and runs it back for a touchdown. That's what they don't want. With his speed, so, right? Yeah, with his speed. So they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready, and they're going to be waiting for him. And just so you know, I am looking through the uh, looking through the um, the stats, and I'm pretty sure yeah, Andrew Luck didn't have anything. He didn't have hardly anything going into halftime. Hmm. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, it, I recall it was about 40-something yards. That was it. A lot of those yards came in the second half when they were down and they were trying to come back. Yeah. And, you know, most of that chunk of the 234 or 243 was on uh, that Philip Dorsett touchdown pass where Gibson and Ramsey got caught up in communication. Um, you know, it could have been cloud, you know, six. Or the free safety it was like a cloud on that side. Or it could have been a cover three, you know, to, who, who knows? No one really, will really know what they were running, but both of them bid on that square out. And Philip Dorsett, he's got some wheels on him. He ran right past him. So, and and those are going to be mental mistakes. As, as good as Ramsey is, he's going to mess up. He's not perfect. Uh, he's never going to get, you know, just completely obliterated or toasted. I don't think, but you know, he'll he'll definitely have some mental errors. So, and it could have been him. It could have been Gibson, but. Yeah. One thing I would like to do maybe in the bye week, um, <clears throat> particularly to take advantage of your knowledge of a lot of the X's and O's stuff, which, by the way, I am currently reading Take Your Eye Off the Ball by Kat, Pat Kerwin, so that way I can sound smart when I talk to you about this stuff. So oh, geez. be ready for that. Um, <laughs> but seriously, though, I mean, I do want to become a more educated fan when it comes to the plays just because, I mean, honestly, I'm sure it's much more enjoyable. I mean, I've attended a live game with you before, and you're pointing out things on the field I never would have even thought of before. So, um, But, like, I think it would be good maybe in the bye week to, like, go over things like that auto position and what Miles Jack might play and sort of like how the Jaguar scheme is set up, defensive scheme is set up, and all that weird terminology a lot of times we hear about them. Um, yeah, it, it, it's... Um... It's very, it's funny. I was just talking to a, a buddy of mine last night. He was asking me those same questions. He was not under. He thought there were only two cornerbacks on the field at all time. He didn't realize that in nickel you have a third cornerback that comes on. 
Um, and oh yeah, of yeah. course. And then I said, you know, well, nickel five, <laughs> five defensive backs. He's like, oh, and that's you know, it, if you get into the X's and O's, you know, some people do, some people don't. Your your casual average fan, they just want to see a lot of scoring, a lot of touchdowns, and a lot of hitting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I mentioned in like one of our first episodes, that's certainly more of your expertise. And um, I think I represent more of maybe the casual fan slash people that are into all the like nerdy statistics. And like I kind of cringe every time you trash talk like that at Football Outsiders Almanacs. I really enjoy reading stuff like that and all the sabermetrics, baseball statistics and analytics. That's kind of my thing that I enjoy. But um, but I mean, it, it, I think it helps to get to get a better feel for the, the X's and O's and have a balance. I'm not trashing it. I just there's a couple things that I just think when you're playing football, it, it's it's proven. Teams that run the ball effectively will you, nine times out of ten beat the other team. Mm-hmm. It's very rare when a team punishes you on the ground game and you come back and win the game. Yeah, uh, like I said, there's only usually the, the the only teams that usually can come back from that usually have like a really good quarterback that can can change coaching that can change that and i've mentioned it four ten times tom brady peyton manning before the injury you know they had the ability although you were killing their team on the ground they could easily change that within one drive and get back into it and that takes a very special player um look look at atlanta for instance atlanta Julio had 300 yards. Matt Ryan had, you know, 400 some odd yards, five touchdowns. You know, there's only been like five or six other players that have had 300 yards receiving. Carolina's defense, they're good in the front seven. They might be missing Josh Norman. Who knows all that? But they definitely got toasted yesterday. Yeah. A lot of that was because of the running game because Coleman and Freeman have been running the ball very well. So the Panthers were aware of that, and so were the Falcons. So they went up top. And the Panthers, for whatever reason, thought they could cover Julio one-on-one. But you see, that didn't work. Plus, with the play action, it definitely didn't work. So, (laughs) you see how how easier the game gets when you're able to run the football? And that's all. I I just, the the whole thing about pass to set up the run, if that's the case, the Jags would be doing a lot better. And yet, two of our losses were very close. So... Yeah. Well, I mean, I think from a practical standpoint, it definitely makes sense that you want to have a balance. I mean, there has to be something to the fact that Julio Jones has no catches in one week and then has 300 yards in the next week. Like something obviously happened there to kind of create that situation. Um, he was mad, but that, that's what that was. He, he, uh, he, that's he, he it. was off the coaching staff. We can say that too. He, he, he was probably <laughs> mad and they probably were like, okay, we have uh, let's see, probably the second best or best, depending upon if you think Antonio Brown is, receiver uh-huh. in football right now, and he had one catch for seven yards or something like that. I'm like, uh, and come on now. Yeah, well, you know A-Rob's the number one receiver, so I think you're mis- you know misspoke right there, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alan Hearns is second, oh, so yeah, anyway. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, but, yeah, so one quick note. Uh, we actually had a little message, and I'll give a shout out to Corolla Lover. So I'm assuming uh, this guy on Reddit loves the Toyota Corolla vehicle, which is exciting. 
Down by the Bank, sponsored by Toyota Corolla. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> you would love that, though. We'd be making lots of money if that were the case. Toyota Corolla? No, it's not? You wouldn't accept that? I would if they were writing a check, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they'll hear this and be like, oh, that makes sense. But anyway, Corolla Lover uh, said about two hours ago, where's the podcast at? Wanted an instant reaction. Keep it up. I'm subscribed. So uh, once again, thank you to Reddit because they just have some awesome supporters on there. And uh, we had a little little bit of a delay on the the recent episode, and we'll try to we'll try to do better. It's just the instant reaction sometimes right after the fact might be a little tough with our work schedule, like we mentioned in the first episode. But we're definitely going to try to keep it up with at least one a week, um, where we'll uh, go through the prior game and, and kind of look forward to the next game as well. Yeah, sorry, sorry guys, I'll, I'll put it out there. You know, I'm I'm uh, about to get married here soon, so time's tight right now for the next three weeks two weeks so uh it's my fault i'll take responsibility for that everybody tweet us if you think derek should pick the podcast first over the wedding don't put me in any positions where i might get in anyway so so back real quick to that's a joke but yeah yeah. (laughs) but but back real quick just to finish up the as good as the game as the offense played as good as the game as our defense played you know Jalen really, you know, you know, held his own against T.Y. Hilton, a, a, a solid, you know, receiver, pro bowler receiver in the league, and our defensive line, offensive line played pretty well too. We still almost blew it. Eleven penalties. There were some, you know, some scheme breakdowns when we had the lead and got the ball back, and then they ran those three unpredictable or, or not unpredictable but predictable plays to kick the ball and give it back to Andrew Luck with like 23 seconds left. Those are the things they, they have to cut out. You know, don't play not to lose. Play to win. If right. Bortles was having that much success on those sprint outs and those bootlegs and they kept falling for it every single time, why would you stop doing it, especially at a time like that? The whole defense keyed on Yeldon. You went like, uh, you know, two, under two minutes to go. They should have faked the handoff and rolled Blake out and made it a one route option, you know, which means you go through your progression one route, probably run a Rob on the cross. Mm-hmm. And if it ain't there, you just run. And as soon as you're about to get hit, you stay in bounds because you don't want to stop the clock and you get out. I bet you had they done that, he would have picked up two first downs and we wouldn't even had that last drive. Well, that's actually a good transition. Uh, because based on now that we're one and three, where are we at on Gus? Because last episode, we definitely were on the outs. But based on what you're saying, it doesn't sound like coaching necessarily had as much to do with us coming away with this win. In fact, maybe it was even detrimental in the second half, like usual. One of my, uh, I was, you know, obviously talking to a buddy after the game. He had, uh, it was way after the game, hours after the game had ended. And he goes, so is your mind changed up that we got the win? I said, no. <laughs> no, it still has not changed. Yeah. They, we should have beaten them by 30. <clears throat> not by three. It's, imagine had we lost. This is, take a second. Imagine had <laughs> we lost that game. Yeah. Think about that. Had uh. we lost the game. A game where we were up. What was the score? 20, 
23 to 6 at one point. Uh-huh. We were up 23 to 6 and here they come. You know, and it wasn't just like a um it wasn't just like they were that much better. I mean, if you look at, you know, the the possessions in the third quarter going into the fourth, we have a field goal, they have a punt. We have a field goal, then here they come score a touchdown. We punt, they score another touchdown. We score a touchdown, they score another touchdown. They weren't doing anything. They weren't really running the ball, so there was no threat of play action. They just couldn't, you know, Andrew Luck, you know, kind of caught fire. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Did they drop back in too much prevent defense? So you'd been controlling them the entire time. Andrew Luck had definitely been trying to go to T.Y. Hilton the entire time. Every time Jalen was on him, he got some catches on him. They like said, you're not going to – to be a shutdown corner, you're not going to win every time. But right. he was winning most of the time. So why not change – you know, why, why change? Why change what you're doing? And they kind of did that. They changed what they were doing. The, the play calling got a little bit more conservative. The defenses, they started dropping back into more deeper zones. And you can't give Andrew Luck time. If you give Andrew Luck time – He's going to score a touchdown, touchdown, touchdown in the fourth quarter, just like he did, just like that. Right. So, well, in my opinion, Gus, you're good, but you got to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was an article, I can't remember who it who it was by, but a lot of people were upset because prior to the game, they were saying win or lose, Gus was pretty much good to go to stay on as head coach. So, I guess you can say, and that was based on inside reports, one of the big writers, I can't remember who it was, maybe Jason uh, Lockenfora from, uh, I think, Yahoo. But anyway, he had said that regardless. So, I, you know, I, I want to say, like, obviously this win saved him, but it seems like either way, Shad Khan's going to keep being patient with the team. But obviously we need to show a little bit more of a killer instinct to finish the games and a little bit more consistency. And then you add the fact that, you know, Colts team, who you straight up, did not make it you know you made it very known that you thought the Colts were a horrible team so you know when we beat a team that's also now one and three barely after almost giving up the lead in the second half I mean ultimately what does that really say you know it it says a lot and and I don't not not dislike Gus Bradley or hate Gus Bradley he yeah sure he's a great coach I'm glad that uh would we have some of the players we have without him? You know, I don't know. Probably, maybe so, maybe not. You know, Caldwell's done a great job as GM. But it still is not translating. You know, we that's one win. Okay, let's not get too excited. That's still just one win. So right. we really have to look at it, not just from a short term, but from a long term. Well, we got the bye week now. We play the Bears up in Chicago, the Raiders, then at the Titans and at the Chiefs. The Bears don't look too bad. They they beat up on Detroit, and Detroit had really you know played with some fire the last few weeks. The Raiders are coming to town. Derek Carr is a proven leader. What I talked about the last podcast where Bortles wasn't leading. Why don't y'all watch the YouTube video of Carr telling his offensive line, if y'all don't want to block, go home. That's a leader. And Carr and, and Michael Crabtree they they did some damage against the, the Ravens. Yeah, Khalil, uh, Khalil Mack, by the way, said Derek Carr is the is the uh, quote chosen one. <laughs> hey, 
<laughs> so apparently they like him. Brother David might have been the opposite of the chosen one, but he is because he he's he's slinging it and they're and they're winning games. Um, so our schedule's not getting any any. You know, we're not playing the elite teams, but these are games that we can manage and we can win. But the teams are playing very well. Uh, yeah, the Bears have a, a rookie running back. Can't think of his name, but he definitely ran the ball hard uh, last week. So. Oh, that's like what's that guy's name? He's like got a really generic name, uh, Jeremy Langford. No, I don't think it's Langford, no? man. I think it's a. Uh... Oh, uh, Jordan Howard. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. The generic running back backfield. So. Generic names. The create a player backfield. Yeah. So we got to really, you know, we got our hands uh, tied, and we hope that maybe they they take uh, Hoyer out and put Cutler back in because I'll feel better with that because he, he wants to be a model and and Hollywood quarterback. He doesn't give a crap about football. That's why his line hates him. He ends up getting blasted all the time. Um, but, yeah. yeah so, hey, what do you what do you think about Jack Del Rio's team? Be, back to the Raiders real quick, being 3-1. and one. They got one of the best defensive ends, outside linebackers in the 3-4 in football. They got a really good quarterback and receiving core. They're an overall solid team. It's funny, you see he's got Reggie Nelson back there playing safety for him. Um, so. Oh, he does? Really? I didn't even yeah. notice that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I remember there was that rumor in the offseason that we were going to pick him up from the Bengals, but I guess that never, well, obviously it didn't come to fruition, but that's interesting. Is Jack Del Rio ever going to bust out that suit again, you think? That's the uh, important question. Not. I wouldn't if I were him. Uh, that was pretty cool, though, actually. It was a Reebok suit, though. You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, a couple uh, miscellaneous notes. Um, and I know I know that uh, Tony Basali and them really make fun of this site. And uh, it is kind of weird, actually. But Pro Football Focus, I don't think you're big on them no, either. But either, yeah. Uh, I think, didn't, didn't we find out they, like, grade all their stuff based on, like, the like the live broadcast or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem legit. But anyway, they had uh, Josh Johnson, who's actually a really cool story um, since I think he was in the Canadian Football League last year. So you want to, again, talk about a, a great find by uh, Dave Caldwell and the uh, scouting department. They had him as the highest graded player in the game as far as the defensive players go. And then, of course, he had the, the play at the end that sort of uh, sealed the deal. Um, so uh, kind of a cool story hey, with I'll him. I'll tell you this right now. Hats off to him. Great job. But we got away with a serious pass interference penalty on another receiver on that play. So, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we oh, got really? away with one on that one. <laughs> they definitely didn't call it. What was that? I, I forget who it was, but there was definitely interference at the end. But it wasn't It wasn't Josh Johnson. It was someone else. I have to go back and look at it. But, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, they had uh, Miles Jack rated third in his uh, first start as far as Jaguars defensive players go. Um, another note: How did Bortles not get penalized for punting the ball after that touchdown? Like we were so waiting for that to happen at home, and we were watching it. It's a pretty good punt, by the way. Um, and then finally, my seven and nine record winning division. You know, because I don't really think Houston's going to be able to keep it going. I think that prediction's looking pretty good, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it could be. Uh, I know I had a higher one. I think I had nine and seven, and I'm uh, oh geez, yeah, uh, too much faith in well the thing is the jags 
defensively, they're starting to figure some things out. If you haven't noticed, they're 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 get they're improving each week, and we're not getting. I mean, San Diego kind of lit us up, but we're we're getting you know we put up you know three out of four decent defensive performances. Um, so it's just offense. And if you look, let's look at the Bills. The Bills' offense was terrible. They fired their offensive coordinator. Now they've run two in a row, and their offense has been clicking. Maybe True. that's a move because Greg, Greg Olson, he hasn't done anything anywhere. He was with the Jags for years, a QB coach. He was with the Raiders before that. He hasn't done anything. So I don't know why they brought him in, you know, but if there was one big glaring problem, it's the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach, and he happens to be, you know, oversee and do both. So, Bortles' mechanics uh, is just is just they're just terrible. So, that's that's my thing. You know, if, if Gus Bradley really wants to save his job, he needs to fire him. <laughs> I don't. I I still think like with the bye week, you go back and look at the four weeks and see how we underperformed. I don't think it's that crazy to still think that maybe they make a move. I mean, I mean, I know that article came out, but if I were Shad Khan, you have a whole bye week to prepare with a new coaching staff. Like, I don't know. Like, if I were him, maybe that would be the bold decision to make. But then again, and and yeah, know. they did change some things up on offense. Did some things that. You know, no one expected them to do, but are they gonna are they gonna continue to do that and continue to be creative and to uh, exploit other defensive weaknesses that other teams have? Use their strengths to advantage. I can't think of the last time what was it the, the Colts you saw they kept lining up in trips. You know, they were trying to yeah. get us to get one of our linebackers because they schemed for that. They saw that, and there were some adjustments that have been made. So how come we can't do that? How come, you know, we, we should be right. doing some different things. Is it in the playbook or is it not? You know, we don't have to have a specific style. Let's just whatever works and whatever gets us down the field. This week it was, this past week it was the quarterback, you know, keeping the ball and running a couple times. What's it going to be next week? That's what I mean. Being creative. Keep them guessing. Yeah. Well, just I know we haven't done much prep work on this, but if you were to predict right now next week's opponent, uh, the bye week, would you say we win or lose versus the bye week? I'd say a draw. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm still. I gotta do some more research. I'm not really sure on that one, so yeah. um, watch some tape, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> game film or yeah, something. You can go. They got www.buy.com. You can go there into their team website and look them up and see how they've done this season. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's a good. <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> that was creative. Um, any final thoughts uh, heading into uh, the bye week and <laughs> everything else going on? Jokel, any thoughts on Jokel? Him being hurt? No, I hope he gets better. You know, they definitely we need more uh, teamwork with the line. I think that's why they did pretty good because they they played together more. Uh, but. Rest up, get hopefully Julius Thomas, Mercedes with the back injury or whatever, the leg or back that he had on that one play, and uh, get ready for Chicago here in a couple weeks because uh, we're going to, you know, it's on the road. We're going to need it. Yeah, it was definitely cool seeing Beecham back too. I was That was kind of fun uh, with him and Bortles celebrating that one touchdown. Yeah, that concussion but, he um, had was kind of scary. It was a, yeah. It was kind of scary. So, uh 
All right, well, cool. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, cut it short here. Um, again, guys, if you could, kind of uh, lacking on the iTunes reviews lately, so I really need you all to uh, to step up and uh, <laughs> sounds dramatic. If you guys could leave us a, a rating and review on there. That would be hugely helpful. Don't step up, actually. That makes it sound like I'm being a jerk. Just do us a favor and uh, leave us a rating and review if you could. Maybe something funny, something to kind of make us laugh. Uh, because uh, I think we're stuck at 12 right now. So uh, we definitely need more of those. Um, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we keep updates on there. And, you know, whenever new episodes are coming out or soon to be out or, or whatever else. Um, and then, of course, aside from iTunes, if you're not on uh, Apple, we're available on uh, SoundCloud as well. So um, thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, guys. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.